Hello, my Pete. This is Social Distance Episode 2, Season 2. And we come to you with the live breaking news that you probably already heard already, but they won. The Liberal Democrats won incredibly comfortably in North Shropshire. Incredible results. They won by just under 6,000 uh, votes. And the Tories did have a 23,000 seat majority last time, yeah? Um, so it's 23,000 seat, 23,000 vote majority last time. So that means they got 23,000 votes more than the second place, who interestingly was um, Labour last time. But the Liberal Democrats are very good at focusing all of their energies on uh, the um, by-elections, and they won handsomely. Like, you know, people were saying, well, they might just scrape by and all the rest of it, but, you know, winning by 6,000 isn't scraping by. That's like a massive hammer blow to Boris Johnson's authority and his leadership. And a lot of people are saying that, you know, the writing is on the wall. We've got a little clip here of Roger Gale, who's on uh, the Today programme this morning. Here he is. Listen to this. Because the electorate wanted to send a very clear message to Downing Street that they were dissatisfied with the management of this government. And with the Prime Minister? Absolutely. I think this has to be seen as a referendum on the Prime Minister's performance. And I think that the Prime Minister is now in last order's time. Um, Two strikes already. One earlier this week in the vote in the Commons. Now this one more strike and he's out he's out you think there could be a change of prime minister a change of leader in the conservative party in short order the conservative party does has a reputation for not taking prisoners Um, if the prime minister fails the prime minister goes we got rid of a good prime minister to install mr johnson mr johnson has to prove that he's capable of being a good prime minister and at the moment it's quite clear that the public don't think that that's the case there we go. Very good, Roger Gale. At the moment, the public... It's quite clear, even to Roger Gale, that the public don't think that um, Boris Johnson is a good Prime Minister. He's bloody a bit slow on the uptake, but at least he gets there in the end, doesn't he, Roger Gale? And um, anyway, so it is, you know, it's a fascinating result. And of course, the pressure on um, Boris Johnson has never been uh, bigger than it is now. And interestingly, I mean, obviously, it's no surprise that the kind of turning point was a couple of weeks ago in the campaign when this um, Partygate story broke. And, you know, it's it's that point that they started to dive, absolutely dive in their voters. I mean, like, just think about it. It's like thousands and thousands and thousands of people that voted Tory, uh, probably voted Tory all their lives in that seat, then change in order to register, uh, you know, kind of dissatisfaction, to put it mildly, with Boris Johnson. But it wasn't only the fact that the former MP in there, Owen Patterson, that crook Owen Patterson, who should be in prison, but I don't know why he isn't. Um, Well, I do know why he isn't, because some people are untouchable in this country. And he's one of them. So he's like, gets to just like, he hasn't given any of the money back. Do you know what I mean? There's no criminal investigation. It's unbelievable. But nevertheless, they, you know, it struck the good people of North Shropshire. Even those louts realised it's probably not good to have a bloody crook, you know. So maybe we don't vote for the crooks party. Oh, yeah, that's an idea. But it's unbelievable at like this place. It's like it is um, true blue. You couldn't find a bluer place. The place has been going since... Um, 18, the 1830s, okay? So nearly 200 years, although the, um, you know, the kind of seat boundaries have changed in that time. Within that time, so it's, what, what's that? Like nearly 200 years, like say, let's say 190 years, yeah? Apart from two years, it has been uh, Tory. All the way through, it's been Tory. It's unbelievable that Boris Johnson can lose this. And of course, he lost in Surrey a couple of weeks ago as well, yeah? So these are this is the blue wall, and this is the Lib Dems' idea, is that they're quite, they're in second place a lot of, in a lot of these places. You know, the, it, for um, international listeners, very generally speaking, um, you know, uh, middle Britain, kind of middle-class Britain, 
and uh, places where there's a lot of money in Britain outside of cities is is Tory and then you've got um, Labour in the cities or in, and in the north. Okay, that like it's traditionally the uh, 80 seat majority was partly due to um, the uh, Jeremy Corbyn's like total like not interested the people of the north were not interested in Jeremy Corbyn whatsoever and I was living in the north and I was speaking to people that had voted Labour all their lives and saying I'm not voting Labour this time I'm going to vote for Boris Johnson part of that of course also was Brexit not with my guys that I was talking to because they were like a bunch of Labour supporters you know what I mean they were against Brexit but they didn't like Corbyn at all so partly Brexit, partly, I mean, in a big way Brexit, but in a big way Corbyn as well, uh, led to the North turning to your man, Boris Johnson. But it looks like the um, writing's on the wall for Boris Johnson. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next couple of days and weeks because, you know, I mean, this is a COVID podcast, isn't it? Wales have introduced new... Uh, uh, what's the word like rules or guidance? I'm not sure if any laws need to be made in the in the Senate, which is the Welsh Parliament, but maybe they do, maybe they don't. But Mark Drayford, the guy, the Labour um, leader in Wales, the what do they call him? The First Minister, is it? I think it might be the First Minister in Wales. Um, he's introducing uh, social distancing again in shops. He's introducing social distancing in uh, offices again. There's a work from home guidance, like a strong guidance. There's a guidance to um, basically not meet, like stay at home as much as you can. Similar uh, coming out of um, Scotland with Nicola Sturgeon as well. He's saying like stay at home as much as you can. And um, they're closing nightclubs in Wales as well, yeah? Now I expect, you know, probably uh, Boxing Day, maybe the day after Boxing Day, probably the day after Boxing Day, actually, because Boxing Day is a good day for everybody to get COVID in the shops, isn't it? Yeah. Um, the, Boris Johnson will do something similar. I expect a staggered school uh, return in January. I don't expect everybody to go back on January the 4th or whatever it is. Um, but that would be staggered, and it is staggered in um, Wales already. So these things that um, Wales have introduced more guidance and kind of like, you know, stronger uh, guidance than Scotland, but Scotland's is stronger than England, and England are always playing bloody catch-up, and the reason is Boris Johnson is scared to cross the line with his what's called libertarian, which I think is very kind of, you know, unfair to libertarians because libertarians aren't just a bunch of unthinking oafs who don't realise basic connections between humans, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but anyway, the, the press call them libertarians and I just call them a bunch of unthinking oafs, these Tory MPs who are like, they, you know, the, Roger Gale was saying, oh yeah, one strike one was um, the losing the... Um, 99 so 99 mps voted against this really basic fucking thing like really really basic stuff whereby if you go to a massive event during omnicrom and we'll talk about omnicrom in a minute in terms of the figures uh then you need to have a lateral flow test like proof of a lateral proof that you don't have i mean you know even lateral flow test isn't proof as, you know, anecdote after anecdote after anecdote tells us, uh, you know, there's even now, like in the press, there's articles saying, can you trust LFTs, lateral flow tests? Well, I mean, you know, if you do one every day, like I'm doing, then you can have a bit of a sense that you're kind of, you know, diving this thing. But anyway, listen, there's lots to talk about. The <laughs> lots to talk about. Um, the the takeaway here is that I wouldn't expect a um, leadership challenge or, or um, 55 uh, letters to be sent before the summer simply because of the pragmatics of doing that, okay? This is going to be a tough summer, uh, sorry, a tough winter for the NHS. It's going to be really bad, okay? I mean, everyone knows that Omicron is on the rise in the UK and it is going to get really, really bad. Um, so, you know, 
what's it going to look like in March, April, May? Who knows? Who knows? You know, maybe it's possible if, you know, they're ramping it up to a million jabs a day. It was 750,000 or something like that yesterday. If people get the booster and there is a, you know, if Omnicrom, it looks like Omnicrom is, you know, potentially, I mean, we don't know because even now in South Africa, they're saying that it might be because there's a massive amount of herd immunity because people have had it before um, in, in South Africa. So look like in the country, they wonder now whether the, um, it isn't that the virus, the Omnicom strain is, is like, you know, weaker or kind of like makes you less ill, but because there's so much herd immunity, the effect is that, you know, people are less ill because they've got immunity, yeah? Now, boosters are an immunity, which is really good, but if not many people have the booster, like, you know, kind of relative to the entire population, then we are going to see uh, the NHS being overwhelmed, okay? That's the idea of obviously doing the boosters as quickly as possible. A million a day is really good, but you need to sustain that you know, day after day after day after day after day. People are traveling, people are, you know, Christmas is just around the corner. People are not going to be having boosters on Christmas Day. I mean, they are um, uh, open, you know, on Christmas Day, but obviously people have other priorities around Christmas than getting a booster, even though most people think that getting a booster is like, you know, on the to-do list and as quickly as possible, please. But uh, of course, if there's a choice, you're not going to have a booster on Christmas Day if, you know, that's the day that you're going to see a nan and you think, well, actually, it might be the last time I see my nan, you know? So, you know, there's lots and lots of stuff about Omicron that we don't know, but it looks like that it might be um, that we don't have the levels of um, herd immunity in South Africa because they've been struck massively in terms of the other waves that they've had. And although we've got a... Um, you know, lots and lots of people have had COVID and there is a kind of level of herd immunity. Chris Whitty has said, you know, we've just got to kind of wait and see what the impact of Omicron is going to be in terms of how severe it is on an individual basis and what that means in terms of how many people go to hospitals and whether the hospitals are going to be, um, you know, overwhelmed. And now, just in the last couple of days, the people in South Africa are saying the same. They're saying, well, it might be that even though, like, you know, a week ago we thought it might have been a bit of a lesser, you know, um, virulent, uh, not virulent, but, you know, it doesn't make you that ill, it might actually be the herd immunity in, in South Africa, you know, kind of having that protection. So, you know, we'll see. There's lots and lots in here. But I expect that if there's any, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen, but you can bet your bottom dollar that old Jefferson Airplane, what's his name? Boris Johnson, he's got to slip up somewhere. You know, in the next couple of months, you can just, there's probably some horrible thing that he's done, some party or some, you know, nonsense thing that he's done that we don't quite know about that will come out, okay? So we can just kind of expect that that will probably happen, okay? And if not, it's very difficult to imagine that he's going to go the next six months, say, without mucking up, or the next three months without mucking up somehow to the point where he scares enough Tory MPs thinking, my seat is on the line if we don't get rid of this oaf. And, of course, the obvious thing is that there's this big tension between Chris Whitty, who's saying, you know, you've got to really prioritise the people that you see uh, over this Christmas period, basically saying, you know, like, make choices. If you're going to see a nan, then it means that you can't see your friends at a Christmas party, you know? Tell your friends, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to the Christmas party because I want to see my nanny. And, um, of course, Boris Johnson was standing on the stage there the other day when Whitty was saying that, the next day, all the Tory MPs are furious at Whitty, you know? And the thinking is, well, obviously Boris Johnson knew um, that he was going to say that and probably told Whitty, listen, you say the bad news. I can't tell the, them the bad news, you know, like bad in terms of the what the Tory MPs don't want to hear. 
but of like clearly quite sensible. It's not that controversial that you don't go and sit. Like there was a thing at work last, like yesterday, which I obviously didn't go to. It's not that I didn't want to go to it. I really did want to go to it. But I said to my friends, of course, I'm not going to go to this. Like, obviously, I'm not going to go to this. You know what I mean? And they say, well, we don't want you there. <laughs> Get out. Get out now, bye. And then I left. And then it started snowing. And then it was like the end of Gremlins. Yeah. No, but that comes in the Christmas special. But anyway, the point is that um, he's an all right old pickle. And I expect that there will be a leadership challenge in the summer. I don't think it's going to be before that because there's so much uh, other stuff to deal with in terms of getting through the winter, the Omnicrom winter. I am the president of the United States of America, clothed in immense power. I am the president of the United States of America, clothed in immense power. The background, of course, is that things are not going well for Boris Johnson. And if you're a Tory MP, you've got to decide, you know, am I going to put my faith in this person? The whole idea of Boris Johnson is that, you know, as somebody said this morning, Boris Johnson plus campaigning equals victory okay he was london mayor for two terms in london which is you know historically a, a labor stronghold and in many cases it's kind of reverted to form um with sadiq khan as the mayor for the last um you know a couple of uh, terms you know the idea of boris johnson is that he is a winning campaigner what he does in office is, you know, kind of like massively, you know, well, you know what it's like. I did a whole podcast about it, didn't I? Yeah. Listen to season one if you want to refer to um, evidence of me slagging off the big man, the big clown. I, I thought it was very unfair that people were saying he looked like Ken Dodd. Ken Dodd was a brilliant comedian, an outstanding comedian who's famous in the UK for going on for hours and hours and hours. Um, when he did live shows and you know like huge parts of it just like improvised just talking to the crowd and uh, you know just making people laugh and he was an amazing guy part of his shtick is that he kind of looked a bit kind of nutty and he had this wild crazy hair how dare people um, make some kind of connection any kind of connection between Ken Dodd the genius Ken Dodd and that loof, loof, oof, oof, Boris Johnson. But anyway, so Boris Johnson, his disapproval is 65%, and that has been growing ever since June the 11th. So it's not just a thing that's kind of crept up over the last couple of weeks. It has grown over the last couple of weeks since um, Partygate, you know, kind of exploded, uh, whatever, two, three weeks ago. It has really kind of like grown quite substantially, yeah, uh, his disapproval. And his approval is at 34. And I suppose there are always going to be some people that approve of, you know, the leader of the Tory party because they're the Tory party and they've got, always going to have millions of people voting for them because this is Britain. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so this is Britain, yeah? Um, but, so in, individually, like you, that, that, there's a trend there, okay? I'm going to play a couple of clips here and so don't read in uh, too much into these individual clips, but it does kind of build a picture of where we're at in uh, the United Kingdom politically at the moment, okay? And like I said earlier, it's not just now a question of people saying, oh yeah, it was difficult to you know do the lockdown, but it was necessary and I voted for the lockdown because it was a, an emergency. The Tories aren't voting for the lockdown. The, there is not going to be a lockdown in terms of legislation passed through the parliament because even though the scientific evidence may point in that direction they're going to have to find another way of doing it yeah because um boris johnson knows now he's been told now you know by roger galen it's like obvious to him that he can't get it through uh, without uh, a massive um tory rebellion right 99 people on your own party when you're the prime minister 99 people, you know, the whips would have 
lent on those people a lot, yeah? That's like a shoot, like much, much bigger than any other um, rebellion uh, that Boris Johnson has uh, suffered. And the idea with rebellions is that it's difficult to do it once, but, um, you know, it's, it's a bit like crashing a boat. Your first boat that you crash is quite difficult because you're afraid that you won't get away with it. But it does, take it from me, it does get easier. And it's the same voting against your prime minister. It does get easier. So, you know, he's not going to introduce legislation. It may well be that Witty is kind of, and Boris Johnson, uh, we've got conflicting reports. Apparently the Daily Mail, I mean, you know, don't put much stock in those guys, but at least they're Tories. They probably do have good uh, sources in the Tory party. And in number 10, I mean, they definitely have good sources in number 10. The, de- the their number 10 are telling the Daily Mail that Boris Johnson was absolutely shocked and agog at the idea that Chris Whitty would say, um, you know, kind of make your choice about who you meet, you know? I mean, I don't believe that because, of course, the Daily Mail wants that to happen because, and all of the Tory MPs, like, it really feeds into number 10's narrative, of course, that they're, like, you know, lovely libertarian, you know, dudes that are well, libertarian I use that word dudes that don't want lockdowns and you know Chris Whitty is kind of like on his own there I mean it's insane like it's absolutely insane the chair of the um, Tory party who's like the you know poor pup that had to go up to the press today was asked does Chris Whitty speak for the government I mean he's like it's unbelievable like he's the chief doctor whatever his title is and he's there at a podium, standing next to the Prime Minister during a press conference about Omicron. And because he says something that some Tories don't like, we're getting questions like that. It's like, it's unbelievable. But anyway, here is this clip from um, this show, this kind of politics show, which I used to watch years ago, but I haven't watched it for years and years. Um, for Basically, it kind of like uh, jumped the shark around Brexit time, and it just became ridiculous like absolutely ridiculous i remember in york during the um 2017 election it was um was it 20 yeah i think it was 2017 election um they just had this it was the leadership um debate on question time and they'd packed the audience full of these gammon men like these horrible you know brexit loving people and it was just like you know, audience question after audience question with these, like, old white men with red faces complaining about the EU, like, over and over and over and over again. It was, like, unbelievable. So since then, I haven't watched Question Time. Having said that, um, which is a, a reference to a Kirby Enthusiasm episode, um, having said that, uh, here's some uh, bloke... Yeah, his name is Chris. Is it Chris Felp? Chris Felch, I think. Maybe it's Chris Felch. And here's Chris Felch, who's a Tory MP. Um, basically, the, uh, the 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 guy in the audience has got a good comeback to him, but the audience just laugh when he says what he says. So check this out. Look what they actually said in that press conference, standing next to one another. Yesterday evening, they said the same thing. Okay, well, let's let's look at what they said, Chris. So the Prime Minister said people should think carefully before you go to pubs and restaurants, but but absolutely said don't cancel parties. Chris Whitty said don't mix with people you don't have to for either work or family things that really matter to you. Yeah, look, the the messaging is the same, which is be cautious and exercise judgment. It's pretty clear. So why do you think people are laughing at you saying that? Well, the messaging is the same. I mean, Why you can, do you think you can, people are laughing? You can try and pass the language, but the fundamental point is well, people it, can exercise it's, it's just their about judgment, what they but just be cautious. Well, if, it's not about, okay. if it's not about language and what people say, what is it about? OK, let's, there's lots of people laughing. Let's hear from some of them. Uh, the man in the purple sweater. Uh, people are laughing because you're clowns. Uh, you said the minimum sensible measure twice and a hundred of your MPs voted against it. What does that say about them? Is that not a mixed message? Going into Parliament without masks, is that not a mixed message? You have to be told to put masks on. That, what do we do? We see that. We see you as the Christmas party. You're clowns. That's it. Yeah, well, if you walk into Parliament yesterday, you would see... There you go. People, people... Um... 
uh, people think you're clowns. Yeah, well done. Well said, that dude. And um, it's quite popular, isn't it? I mean, one thing I heard yesterday was that uh, only when you're sick of a political slogan, when you're sick to your back teeth of a political slogan, is the point when the political slogan is getting to the point, uh, getting into the minds of the vast majority of people that don't follow politics, okay? So this idea that, you know, um, the the joke's not funny anymore, he's a clown. I mean, people have been saying that about uh, Boris Johnson for years. But now, of course, people are painting that clown idea um, over all of the members of the Tory party, certainly the MPs. So um, that's quite interesting, isn't it? And on that show also, Lisa Nandy really um, gave Boris Johnson and the Tories a good kicking. So check this out. The problem is a prime minister and a government that are more interested in bluster and rhetoric and their own interests than the detail and the hard graft that it takes to get the country through a pandemic. Every single time, whether it's Afghanistan when the foreign secretary was on a beach, whether it's now when businesses are falling over and the chancellor is somewhere in California when he should be here working to keep our businesses going. Every single time, this is a government that goes missing in action and it's just not good enough. There you go, pretty powerful stuff, yeah. And um, also connected to the polls and connected to this kind of background of where everybody is, we've got a uh, five-point lead for the um, for the Labour Party, and that's new. That is that that that, that really is connected to Partygate. Okay, so with Keir Starmer. Um, 49% of people say that he's dis- they're dissatisfied with his leadership compared to 65% for Boris Johnson. But interestingly, um, a poll by Ipsos Mori um, has suggests that Keir Starmer is viewed as the most suitable candidate to be prime minister um, more than Boris Johnson. So he scores 13 points higher than Boris Johnson as the person that uh, would make the best prime minister, which is, you know, significant. He's gone up. Boris Johnson has gone down. He's gone up six points from September. September seems a long time ago politically. And um, Johnson's gone seven points down from September. So seven add six is 13, isn't it? Yes, it's 13. And that's the biggest... Um, lead that a Labour leader has had since um, Gordon Brown uh, was beating David Cameron towards the end uh, in January 2008. So that's when Gordon Brown was uh, Prime Minister, obviously. Yeah. So that's really interesting, isn't it? So that might be, I mean, it's those things that you give an insight, those kind of things. You can't read into like one thing, but you look at the trend. And, you know, obviously, if things are going south for Boris Johnson in dissatisfaction in, you know, whether people want to vote Tory or Labour or someone else and um, who makes the best prime minister, if it's all going south, then that tells you something. It might not tell you uh, everything, but it does definitely tell you something. Yes, it definitely tells you something. And um, anyway, now we're going to take a look at Omnicron. But first of all, this is a song dedicated to Chris Whitty. Party, 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 party time. Christmas, 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 witty time. Witty, 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 looking pasty. Pasty like a Christmas pastry, pastry. Christmas pastry, witty, party, party, mystery, mystery time. So let's now talk about Omnicrom. The R value apparently is between three and five. It is sweeping over the United Kingdom, even as we speak. And it is, um, you know, replicating, So sorry, doubling every two to three days. It may be doubling every two days. Certainly the last couple of days worth of figures have been alarming. Um, three days ago so i'm i'm reporting i'm talking to you on friday the 17th this is the the numbers for 
um, first of all, uh, Tuesday, it was 57,000, which is, you know, one of the highest we've, we've had since the January peak in itself. Uh, but anyway, 57,000 on, on uh, Tuesday. Then Wednesday, it was uh, 78,000. And Thursday, yesterday's figure was 88,000. So, you know, to, to at what point do we break 100,000? 88,000 is a, is a record, by the way. And we need to take into account that that isn't the number of um, people... Um, who uh, caught um, COVID-19 yesterday or, you know, over the kind of couple of days beforehand um, because there's going to be many, many, many more people that think that um, uh, it's a cold uh, because, you know, even with the uh, difference in the immunity between South Africa and the United Kingdom, it is going to present milder. It seems that it's going to present milder in the United Kingdom population, you know, kind of generally speaking, yeah? There's plenty of people who have uh, Delta and they say it's a cold, you know? A bit of a rough cold. Um, so there's plenty of people that have a very, very mild um, Omicron and they don't even know that they have it. I mean, we're talking, you know, thousands of people every day who catch Omicron pass it on and they don't even know that they have had it or they catch Omnicom they get a bit of a cold for a couple of days and they think that they've got a cold but they don't have a cold they've got Omnicom and they're passing it on so what I'm saying is you know it's more than 88,000 people that have got it over the last couple of days and it is everywhere so this is why you know people are starting to worry this is why Mark Drayford is telling people to social distance and really you know take uh, big decisions about what it is that you're doing. Luckily, I've finished work, so all I'm doing is um, spending time. Uh, we are travelling actually over over Christmas, just before Christmas actually. But we do think that that is essential. Um, it's essential travel. We really feel like that. Um, so, and I'm you know pretty bloody sneaky. I've just survived a term in a school, so. <laughs> Like, I think I've got away with it. There's a possibility, obviously, even though I'm doing little flow tests every hour. <laughs> there's a possibility that I've got it, like it's kind of incubating in me. Wouldn't that be awful? God, I'd hate that. But having said that, you know, I, I do think that even though, of course, it's a bigger risk uh, than staying in the flat, you know, every bloody day, um, I think it's worth the, worth the risk. And I think that I can kind of mitigate the risk um, because you know me, I don't mind wearing a mask around people and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's it's looking bad and it is getting worse. Now, interestingly, it's getting worse on a kind of, um, you know, international international level, but not all at the same time. If you go on Our World in Data, their COVID cases, you know, the United Kingdom is flying ahead more um, cases per million than than anywhere else. I mean, it is quite extraordinary. We've got South Africa, who are um, like, you know, kind of rising sharply as well. They're still rising um, as of a couple of days ago, as of yesterday. But that's nothing like the the rise in the United Kingdom, where it's basically going up, you know, it looks like, it's going up exponentially. I mean, there's no question about that. You know, it's like, it basically looks like a straight um, vertical line. You know, it's quite scary. Um, Germany is coming down. Germany has got has got lockdown in place since um, December the 2nd. So, you know, uh, a lot of people in Germany don't like it, uh, but a lot of lives are being saved. So there's no question about that. You know, there's lots and lots of... Um, people that aren't going into hospital in German hospitals because of the uh, restrictions in place and people some people really don't like it the German government had to, the German police had to um, uh, arrest someone who was um, it's just, uh, it's the suspicion is that they were about to kill somebody there's some kind of mental uh, <laughs> anti-vaxxer some insane anti-vaxxer um, at a kind of like a kill list, God, unbelievable. 
So what are the restrictions in Germany? Well, these are the regulations. Only recovered and vaccinated people may enter retail, cultural and leisure facilities. So if you are not vaccinated, you do not get access. Only access to shops for daily needs are accessible for the unvaccinated. So they can't go to the cinema. They can't go to the museum. They can't go, you know, kind of clothes shopping, or whatever. Just essential stuff for the unvaccinated. Meetings in public and private spaces attended by unvaccinated and unrecovered people are to be limited to one's own household, a maximum of two persons from another household. So there's a clear separation happening in Germany between the people that have been vaccinated and the people that have not been vaccinated. If you've been vaccinated, you can, you know, kind of go around people's houses, you can go to the cinema, blah, blah, blah. And this is the, you know, kind of debate that we're kind of having in a very watered down way in the United Kingdom, you know. In the UK, you could go to a football match. I mean, the football matches, the chances are your football match might be running, but the people, there's plenty of, I think it was six games this week were cancelled. Um, so that affects, like immediately affects 12 teams, obviously, you know, because I, do, I don't know much about football, but I do know that it's one team plus one other team within a game um, because people in the, you know, the footballers have got COVID and stuff. So, you know, but if you are, if you do want to go to the football match, all you've got to do is rustle up a negative lateral flow test. Do you know what I mean? And And then, of course, the suspicion is... You know, how much is it really going to be uh, policed? Yeah. So this is the it comes back in Britain to the tension between, you know, where Boris Johnson is politically and the kind of difficulty he feels he has in being like strict and like on this. Do you know what I mean? And the um, and, and like allowing witty or kind of like telling witty to say things that Boris Johnson may well want to say, like in a kind of ideal world. Um, but then again, maybe not, because of course he is the person that did that ridiculous speech saying there must be one place. And incredibly, there must be one place on earth where you know freedom of um, trade should continue in the face of um, Omnicrom. See, season one for that, I don't know what episode, but there's only 232 of them, so it won't take you long to go through season one. And uh, incredibly now on the, like, this is how bad it's got. They can crow about the vaccine um, rollout. Okay, fair enough. Vaccine rollout, very good. But they're incredibly, they're talking about how their response to COVID-19 is a success. I mean, it's unbelievable. Any uh, government minister or anybody from the Tory party who starts talking about vaccinations, the interviewer should just shout out, 150,000 people dead, 150,000 people dead. What what percentage of those were in care homes? Like a third of them or something? It's unbelievable. Absolutely shocking and unbelievable. And, um, you know, but this is how bad things have got in the Tory party. That response, that incredible criminal response where, you know, there's a wall of hearts uh, just outside Westminster or in Westminster, you know, the area of London, just outside um, in the number 10 area um, with 150,000 hearts or plus more than 150,000 little hearts have been painted on this wall as a kind of memorial to all of the people that died. And, um, you know, it's 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 extraordinary. So how are how are Germany doing for vaccination? Share of people fully vaccinated about uh, against COVID nineteen is sixty nine percent, and then only partly vaccinated is is three percent. Okay, so seventy two percent in total. Well, let's go with the with the full vaccination because that's the one that really counts. And even then, you know, obviously the booster, you're not really fully vaccinated these days unless you've got a booster. You know what I mean? So interestingly enough, there isn't that much of a difference between Germany and the United Kingdom. In the United Kingdom, it's uh, 68%. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> but I think that might include in the United Kingdom, that might include uh, 12 Hold on, people that are... Where's the damn thing? Yeah, here we go. So two doses, uh, 81% of those uh, 12 or over, 
81% of, of people in the uh, in the United Kingdom have had two doses, and 44% three doses. But nevertheless, you know, it's not as if nobody's vaccinated in Germany, you know. But they clearly feel like they need to get on top of um, of Omicron, and it's working. Like you know, it's incredibly. I'm not too sure. I'm, you know, it's, this isn't a German special, by the way. But I haven't been uh, focusing too much on Germany, or in fact, not at all. But it does seem that there's a difference in the approaches between Germany and the United Kingdom, and there's there's this. Um, so this is very interesting. Compulsory vaccinations for certain professions will be implemented quickly. A general mandatory vaccination will be prepared for February the 2022. And this is genuinely controversial, I think. You know, this idea that the government tells you to get a vaccine. Now, for certain jobs, if you're working in a care home, I think it's fair enough that if you're working with vulnerable people and you're you're not vaccinated for some mad like reason, like if there's a medical reason not to get vaccinated, then that's fine. Don't get vaccinated. But also maybe get another bloody job, you know? But if you are just like politically opposed to vaccinations or whatever, like religiously opposed to vaccinations or whatever, if there's some kind of weird thing that you, for some reason you think that vaccinations are not a good idea, then you shouldn't be working with vulnerable people. I mean, that's that's it. And if your employer says, get a jab or lose your job, I don't have much sympathy for people that are complaining about that, yeah? Because, you know, you're in the care industry for crying out loud. And during a pandemic where people can catch it, you can have it without knowing it. I mean, I know you know this, sorry for shouting, but you can have it without knowing it, you know? And if you're giving personal care to somebody who doesn't have the capacity to look after themselves, that is not on, you know, that is not on. So I'm sorry. If you're, maybe you're in this position, my advice to you is get another job or get the vaccination. Now that is different, like obviously clearly, clearly different from uh, a kind of general mandate um, for the whole of the country, yeah? Now I've got some sympathy for, um, you know, if you're not vaccinated, then you can't go into a restaurant, you can't go to the cinema. That kind of makes sense. I mean, I thought that was the whole point of vaccination. The whole point of the vaccination was that we, it would create spaces like that safe for people to enjoy again, yeah? Now, I'm a bit different because I'm, you know, vulnerable to this. I'm not going to go to the bloody cinema, do you know what I mean? Like, still, even though I've been boosted, even though I know I can wear a mask, it is, especially now, with Omicron happening, but also I haven't been to the cinema for a reason, you know? Because I think it's a risk that I'm not willing to take yet. It's not as if COVID had gone away like, you know, six weeks ago or a month ago before Omicron came along, yeah? So I think it's perfectly reasonable to suggest to people um, who haven't been vaccinated, you know, here's your um, opportunity to get vaccinated. But if you don't want to get, like, here's the vaccination, right? Here's the vaccination. You, all you've got to do is, like, phone up a number, go to a website, book your appointment, come in, get the vaccination. It's free. It's not going to do any good. In fact, it's going to, like, you know, of course there are uh, individual cases where people have side effects. That's going to happen in medicine, yeah? That is going to happen in medicine because we're all unique individuals with our own biological processes that nobody really can understand. I mean, we don't even know what consciousness is, for crying out loud. Paranormal blip, by the way, yeah, at Paranormal Blip on Twitter. Um, you know, so of course you're going to get the kind of freak case of, or, you know, many freak cases of people having heart attacks and having thrombosis and having strokes and whatever else. But compared to the millions and millions and millions of people around the world, from a data point of view, the vaccines aren't just safe, they're like absolute lifesavers. And even with Omicron, if you look at the figures, even though it drops a little bit with, um, <clears throat> well, quite a bit actually, with two doses, if you get a booster, you're then, we think, like this is according to Dr. John Campbell, the data isn't in yet because Omicron, you know, we're still in that kind of weird fuzzy period with Omicron where we don't know much about it, you know. But Dr. John Campbell thinks that it's the booster brings immunity up to about 90% again, yeah. 
So that's good. You know, that's what you want from a, a vaccine. Okay. That means that if you get COVID and you've been boosted, then the vast majority of us are going to have an easier time with, um, you know, kind of living through it. Yeah. The problem is if it's doubling every two days, even if there's a, uh, what, 1% chance that you're going to be hospitalized, for me, it's much greater, obviously, because I've got comorbidities. But, I mean, apparently, having said that, there, are, there is uh, evidence, or certainly kind of, well, yeah, is evidence from, from South Africa that it doesn't matter if you've got comorbidities, which would be incredible, absolutely incredible. So if there's a 1% chance that I am hospitalized, um, but... Uh, you know, it's doubling every every um, two days, then there's lots and lots of people that are going to uh, be encountered by that 1% chance, yeah? Hence the fear of the NHS, uh, you know, falling over. So I'd be, I'd be much, much tighter in terms of not letting unvaccinated people do anything, basically. Like, I'd, I'd basically say, don't leave your house. You're the people that should be have lockdown you know all of the anti-vaxxers are the people that should have should have lockdown the other people if you've had your booster brilliant go to the cinema wear a mask and social distance but enjoy spider-man no way home or whatever it's called and enjoy the other film there's what's the other film that i really want to see i can't remember oh june's good by the way haven't spoken to you since i saw june june's very good june yeah um so that's what I do, but but the idea of a of a kind of government mandate, uh, literally kind of like telling people you have to have vaccinations, you know, I'm not sure about that. I think that's a bit of a step too far, you know. Um, anyway, so Omicron is on the rise. Now we've got some interesting information here. Um, Listerine, are you taking your Listerine? We need to start talking about therapeutics because. Um, Listerine, it looks like there might be something in it. Dr. John Campbell did a, a quite an interesting video quite a while ago, but it's kind of come up in my thoughts recently. And uh, I'm what, the idea is that you gargle and you use Listerine as a mouthwash a couple of times a day. Also, I have got some nasal spray from, from with iodine in it. Iodine kills COVID. And this nasal spray is obviously a nasal spray with iodine in it, so it's safe to use. And it's, you know, kind of used as an antivirus spray. That's kind of the reason why it's sold. So, you know, I'm kind of taking, and I'm doubling my um, vitamin D. I don't know if you know, well, I, you don't know this because I've bloody spoken to you for ages. But vitamin D now I'm taking 600, uh, sorry, 6,000, um, whatever they're called. Let me just grab the packet here. This is interesting, isn't it? Look, it's live, live moving around. Oh, here they are. So let's take a look. Um, yeah, I can't, I'm taking six of these things and each of them I think is, yeah, so I'm taking 75 micrograms, which I think is 6,000 something, 6,000 UI or something. It's exactly the same that your mate uh, Fauci in the States is taking. Every single day. So you've got your vitamin D zinc as well. Take a good amount of zinc every day as well. Vitamin D, vitamin C, zinc. Apparently you have to have K2, which I, I need to get K2. I bought some... Oh, God, what's that stuff? That horrible thing uh, that... Um, what's it called? That slaw? You know that that slaw? I've forgotten what it's called, but this 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 uh, kind of rancid slaw. What's that stuff called? <laughs> uh, anyway, it's disgusting. And I can't eat it. I mean, I know I'm supposed to eat it, but I can't eat it. So I've got to get K2 anyway at some point. So maybe I'll die from a vitamin D overdose or calcium buildup or whatever K2 is supposed to um, con contend with. Contend with. But I don't. So anyway, 
yeah, nas- and I'll tell you how the nasal spray goes as well, the iodine nasal spray. But I, you know, it, it is quite scary because although I had have had a booster, and although I am going to be careful in the next couple of weeks, obviously over Christmas, um, you know, I mean, it, it is everywhere. Basically, it's everywhere. That's the thing with Omicron. If it isn't everywhere now, then it will be everywhere soon. And um, you know, it's it's not. A nice position to be in but I'd rather be in this position than um, obviously you know not having had boosters not having good masks and you know not knowing what the hell I'm doing now interestingly in Germany um, if you look at the people in intensive care there's more people per million there's more people in Germany in intensive care than in the United States in France in um, the United Kingdom uh, in Uh, South Africa as well so they're clearly responding to uh, you know like the the, the fact that they've had a a wave essentially and I think in Germany it is Delta still so I don't think that Germany has been hit by uh, COVID-19 sorry uh, Omicron as badly as as the UK has yet so you know let's hope that those restrictions uh, work and let's hope that it uh, dampens down Omnigram to a certain extent um, you know when it when it arrives and it is there I've just looked it up actually it is there now but it's they're a little bit less than in in the UK but you know with a doubling of uh, every couple of days then it's it's gonna be everywhere soon basically and so I think that you know more and more it's to do with a long time ago in season one I spoke about that split between you know government advice and your own sense of what's what to do and how to take care of yourself and I don't want to get COVID you know I there is obviously I don't want to get COVID I mean it's obvious to say that but what I mean is that in some ways it doesn't well yes you know I feel like I've got over I've walked between the raindrops, basically, as far as I, you know, I don't want to speak too soon. You know, touch wood, as they say. Let's touch wood. (laughs) Um, But because, of course, it could be that it comes out in a couple of days, you know. And apparently with Omicron, I've heard that with LFT tests, um, you don't pick it up immediately and you actually pick it up 24 hours. Sorry. The LFT doesn't uh, test, doesn't um, uh, recognize it immediately. It recognizes it, it 24 hours later. But, you know, uh, just my own sense of like how long I spent with students, me being with masks, uh, or me speaking to people without masks on, you know, I, I, I feel like I've kind of got away with it and hopefully my partner and my son will get away with it too. And then we're in a bit of a kind of nice position whereby we can basically just be really, really safe, not taking these risks by working uh, alongside and being close, like, you know, much closer than uh, two metres with people that we don't, who we can't kind of verify everywhere they've been and everywhere and they've spoken to and all that kind of stuff, you know? So hopefully we'll get away with it. Um, yeah, so anyway, so I'm going to wrap it up now. So thank you ever so much. You may notice that I'm not doing Sigurros. Um, might come up with a, a kind of ending, as it were, <laughs> but um, we'll see. I'm not too sure when the next episode is going to be, but I'm definitely going to be doing a Christmas episode. So, oh, actually, I'll tell you when the next episode is going to be. It will be Christmas Eve. I'll drop the Christmas episode on Christmas Eve, and we've got a nice review of Gremlins, so I'm looking forward to that. And see you later. Oh, walk between the raindrops. <laughs> I did that thing again. Hey, listen. Thanks for listening. Walk between the raindrops and take care. See you later.